Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto you from our Lord and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text chosen for our meditation today is the gospel lesson, which our Lord says some very strange words to us, it might be. But we're going to talk about what he said. In the name of our Lord, dear Christian friends, I'm sure all of you have taken vacations even probably us uh, right now wish we were on a vacation, but with this virus, we are staying home. But, you know, for many travelers who trek southward to our neighbor, Mexico, one of the most unpleasant surprises is purchasing an item with U.S. currency and expecting an equal exchange, dollar for dollar. However, we find out that although each country states is worth $1. In reality, the Mexico peso is only worth 22.7 cents in U.S. funds. So you must be careful to, to check the going rate of exchange or you might get cheated. Do you feel as though you have been cheated in your Christian faith? Perhaps you have been baptized and taught the faith, joined the church, and immerse yourselves in activity only to wake up one morning feeling disappointed, discouraged, used, or bitter. Do you sometimes wonder life in the church is not what I had hoped? Or is this really what it is like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? In our text for this morning, Jesus had to address a similar problem with his chosen 12. They witnessed his miracles. They saw the huge crowds. They heard Peter's stirring confession that when Jesus asked, who do you see people say that I am? And then finally he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And they were expecting bigger and grander things to come when suddenly Jesus drops the bombshell. He said in our text today, it is necessary that I go to Jerusalem to suffer and to be killed. Rejection and denial set in because they had not counted the cost of discipleship. And this morning, we want to consider that cost. What does it mean to be, for us to be a follower of Jesus? Is it worth the price exchanged to deny ourselves, to pick up our cross, and to follow him? First of all, let's count the cost. You know, Jesus is very open about what was in store for him. He, was, he openly acknowledged the cost of God's salvation plan. He said in our text, it is necessary. Jesus knew full well why he had, to, why he had come to earth in human form. He had come on a mission of love. He had to die in order that we might be saved from the, from the punishment of our disobedience. He had come that he might keep that law for us, something that Adam and Eve disobeyed 
and all mankind could not keep. He had to pay for our sins by dying, by giving up his life on the cross. And Jesus never deceives. He openly teaches that his disciples, that association with, association with him involves accepting the mark of the cross. And on a number of occasions, Jesus was very clear on what was hap gonna happen to them in the distant future because of their relationship with him. He openly tells them where they were heading. A man who habitually slept in as long as he could every morning, awoke one day even later than usual. He looked at his clock, he bolted out of bed, he dashed over and put some water on his face, and then he quickly put a razor to it, and then he, he gave his hair a, a hasty pass with his comb, and he gulped down a, a glass of milk, grabbed his briefcase, and gave his wife a, a, a dogwood kiss, and ran out the door to reach the bus. And he was, very, he was just barely able to, to jump aboard and, and as it began to pull away. And dropping his coin in the meter, he lurched down the aisle towards the seat, and suddenly he looked around, breathlessly he blurted out, by the way, where's this bus going? We have received the mark of the cross at our baptism. And in a holy baptism, we deny ourselves and we take up our cross. And activities that must continue throughout our, our lifetime-faced journey of following Jesus, we daily remember our baptism. His cross brings shame and rejection from the world. And St. Paul gives us a pretty clear picture of what the world thinks of our faith journey and the cross. St. Paul tells us that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The world thinks salvation and all it entails is foolishness. In fact, the world's way runs counter to the way God wants you and me to go. Yes, God tells us to deny self, while the world says get all you can while you can get it. And the world sees the cross as a sign of God's weakness rather than a sign of victory and hope. And when we travel on that journey of our faith, the road is indeed rough, and, and those who pass along the way set up roadblocks in our path. And it's not easy traveling that road that God has set for us. But he tells us that from the very beginning. Secondly, in spite of all that, we need to accept the cost. The scandal, the stumbling block that makes it hard for us to accept God's way of rescuing life is that of accepting God's way of salvation. That means rejecting our own way. Our own self is the major roadblock. By nature, we, because of our sinfulness, our ways run counter to the ways that God goes. 
It's like traveling against the stream. One of our nice vacations that we did with our kids a long time ago was hiking in Zion National Park. Maybe some of you have been there. But we wanted to see where these canyons began. And if you go back far enough, uh, you can see where those canyons get very, very narrow. But to get to those narrows, we had to travel upstream. And it was really hard going against that current, fighting that current, while watching for deep pools and sharp rocks. And we finally got there. And then when we turned around, it was easy when we went downstream. It took a lot less effort, and we got back quickly. You see, our faith life is just like that. Having faith in Jesus Christ is like traveling upstream. We're going against the majority of the world is doing. But traveling and doing it is God's way brings lasting effects and benefits. How often don't we want to do it our way? The way of our natural flesh than doing God's way. Even though we take up our cross to do it. An eastern Kentucky coal miner once came to a pastor and stated, I would give any, everything to believe that God would forgive my sins. But I can't believe it because he will forgive me if I just ask him. It's too cheap. And the pastor said, my friend, were you working today? And yes, he says, I was down in the mine. And he says, how did you get down in the mine? How did you get back up? Did you pay? Oh, no. I just got on that cage and it pulled me up to the top. Were you afraid to entrust yourselves to that cage? Was it too cheap? The guy said, oh, no. It was cheap for me, but it cost the company a lot of money. And suddenly that truth struck him. We had what had cost him, or not cost him anything, salvation, had not come cheaply to God. It cost God plenty in order to redeem us. It cost God his very own life in order to save us from damnation. And God counted the cost. And so did Jesus. Peter did not understand the cost of salvation. Peter took Jesus aside to avoid embarrassment, but whose? Peter, in his haste, did not understand, nor did he take the time to weigh the cost. He said, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Peter, in his haste, had forgotten what God's mission in Christ was all about. In his pious talk, he was becoming an instrument of Satan in trying to detour Jesus' journey of love to the cross. Peter forgot what really was at stake here. He forgot that his salvation and the world's salvation was in jeopardy. We count the cost not how much we pay, but we recount the cost of how God has purchased us. 
And as Peter said himself later, he wrote, for you know that it was not but perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish and without spot. The imitation of our Lord, we accept the cost of discipleship because of what lies ahead. And we can look forward knowing that our salvation is at the end of our journey of faith. Thirdly, we live out that cost. We realize that the fast difference between the cost of the life of discipleship in Jesus and the cost of life of separation from Jesus. Attempting to reserve a part of this world's existence for ourselves while trying to live in Christ risks the forfeiture of life for eternity. Jesus openly poses an important question for us this morning as we ponder the cost of discipleship. He says, what good will it do or what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? The world seems to have so much plenty to offer, and many have fallen into that trap. The, de uh, the devil is tempting us as he tempted Jesus in promising the world if only we would be loyalty to him. But we must remember that the world's wealth doesn't compare to our riches that we have in Jesus Christ. We live as if we have died to the world once and for all and continue to live for Christ. And daily we remember our baptism, dead to sin, but rise to follow Jesus in a life of witness to him. A young African convert once prayed this prayer, O oh Lord, you are the needle and I am the thread. That day he had visited a school and watched some of the girls that were sewing. And he noticed that thread always following the needle. And if he stayed close to the Lord in prayer, in studying his word, and depending entirely upon him, he could always be led by God's spirit. Counting the cost involves recognizing what Jesus undertook to secure our salvation. And we quickly recognize that it is beyond of what any of us could ever hope to do to be right with God. And that is why we gladly accept his redemption, even though it may cost us relationships, material possessions, self-centered pride. That is why we live to be his disciples. We have counted the cost, accepted the cost, and now live out that cost of discipleship to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.